The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Hey, this is Cabinated Comics. I am your host, John Clark. With me as via Zoom is Steven Brown. Bunch of stuff to get to. Let's just get to it. The only news I saw this week is that Dean Kane is a piece of shit. Yeah, so <laughs> all right, let's back up on that. So yeah. I heard, um, you know, they post these memes and it'll be like, uh, uh, pictures of everyone that's ever played like the Joker or Batman. Right. It'll be like, thank you for being the greatest Batman, not you. And it'll be somebody like um, Jared Leto. George Clooney or Jared Leto is the Joker. Yeah. And then like, blah, blah. And then I saw one with Superman and it had not you on Dean Kane. And I'm like, the fuck? Dean Kane was an awesome Superman. He's not an awesome person, apparently. Well, that's what I don't understand. Like, what happened? Oh, he's a, saw that Tom he's a Trump guy out, and he, he he's doesn't... like, fuck Superman or fuck Dean Kane. Yeah, uh, Dean Kane was like, I'm not wearing a mask and uh, Trump 2020. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So yeah. everybody came out. Brand, actually, Brandon Ruth uh, just tweeted something really cool and I reposted it. It's Brandon Ruth wearing a mask and he's like, I'm not always a superhero. But I do try to he- to help people when I can, so I'm gonna wear a mask. Yeah, wow. So I'm like, yeah, good. you know, Brandon Ruth. Brent, I have this analogy I always call the Pierce Brosnan of things. Yeah, and to explain <laughs> from, it from James Bond. Yes. Yeah. Um, to explain to explain it, when Pierce Brosnan was cast as James Bond, first of all, he was cast twice. He was cast um, in 1986. Oh, and he got replaced. He got replaced because he was doing Remington Steel, and then all the publicity about him being Bond raised the ratings of Remington Steel. So then they they undid the cancellation, which then meant he couldn't do. Um, I think it was Living Daylights, was the movie he was supposed to do. So he had to back out, and it was seemed really unfair. And they gave it to Timothy Dalton, and Timothy Dalton ended up doing two of them. And Timothy Dalton was a decent Bond. Uh, but then after his second one, which was License to Kill, which is terrible, uh, there was like a period of like five years they didn't make a Bond movie. And then when they decided to make it again, they were like, we got Pierce Brosnan back. And it seemed even like better. I, yeah, it was, it was worse, wasn't it? The, wasn't it the one where well, they were driving around in the, like a sports car? That, <laughs> was the pro- that was the problem. So yeah. um, I really like GoldenEye. And apparently- hey, GoldenEye is a great movie. That's my Yeah, Sean fun. Bean is the bad guy in it. Uh, yeah, they fight the Russians, you know? And, <laughs> it's yeah. Just, what more do you want? <laughs> he ch- yeah, he chases a car with a tank. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> um, and apparently people really fucking love the video game. Oh, yeah, the N64 game. If you were in my generation, you played yeah, that game. No I never, <laughs> I never played it. Apparently, it's a first-person shooter that people just adore. What made that so great? It was, it was to me, it was the first first-person shooter that had where you can, like, run around and fight your friends. So it was the first time I remember playing a video game with four people. All of us are first-person shooters, and we're fighting each other. And they had all these different weapons you could use. So it wasn't so much like the actual game where you play through the movie of right. 
GoldenEye. It was the uh, the skirmishes you could do with your friends that was fun. And that led directly to a game called Perfect Dark, which, again, was this, like, game that had a story and a campaign mode, but we only ever played the fighting where we can all fight together. Mm-hmm. And then that's where all the Halo people came from. Oh. Is Halo is using the same um, engine? engine that a goldeneye did yeah. where it's you could basically it's like you me and you know uh, whoever else two other people with the four screens could run around shooting each other and we used to play that game for like hours dude it was crazy yeah was a, so so and, that's a good movie but then he made three real pieces thinkers. of shit and terry and hatcher s- was in one of them terry hatcher i think is the second yeah, it's she was the in second the one where it's he, like they're writing headlines the day before they happen. They Jonathan Price was the bad guy in it. I think it was yeah. Tomorrow Never Dies. Tomorrow Never Dies, yeah. Yes. Stupid. It was bad. <laughs> and, and then like, The World Is Not Enough is the really bad one where Denise Richards plays a nuclear physicist. Yeah. Named Christmas. Because mm. Bond. So they're terrible. So Pierce Brosnan was perfectly cast in really terrible movies. So anytime... There's a lot of analogies for that, I realize, is that um, I was watching Spider-Man 2 last night, which, by the way, still the best Spider-Man movie and very flawed. Oh, the uh, Sam Raimi Spider-Man 2. Yeah, the Doc Ock, Alfred Molina. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I love that movie. I haven't seen it in a while, but I think it's the most Spider-Man-y of all the movies in terms of like feeling for the character. That's the thing. As I was watching it last night, I uh, I was like, I really love this movie. And then every five minutes, there's a part I really hate. Yeah. <laughs> and it just keeps like undermining. And it, is it, it is it any time um, Mary Jane shows up on screen? Well, there's that. She looks exceptionally horrible in Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Which She's is saying like, something because she always looks exceptionally horrible. Yeah, she looks better in one and <laughs> three than she looks in two. She looks like her hair's bad. It's mm. like dirty. <laughs> um. And she's done okay. She was in a season of Fargo. Um, she's married to Jesse Plemons now, who was Todd on Breaking Bad, who's like, he kind of looks like Matt Damon. He did that Black Mirror where he like created this Star Trek world and locked How I Met Your Mother in it. No. As I see from you shaking it. your head, none no. of these references. I don't, I don't know at all who that is. Well, anyway, uh, I'm, I'm like three references deep into this Dean Cain is a piece of shit story. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> but I'm with ins- you. I'm with you. This is an inception yeah. of, st- of stories. But uh, yeah, Spider-Man 2, you could, you could kind of feel Sam Raimi taking network notes. Where like every now and then there's a really shitty song or there's the unforgivable thing. People complain about the organic web shooters, but fuck the organic web shooters. They put the Chicago L in the middle of Manhattan, and I will never forgive them. Yeah, I, 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 like, I understand the idea of, like, an elevated train makes for a good, like, superhero rescue. But, but he, he I've been gone to New up, York, yeah. and, you know, I didn't see any elevated trains. And then I'm watching Spider-Man 2, and I'm like, oh, cool, that's right, like, where I'm going to school right now. Yeah, no, I was watching it now, and I'm like, that's clearly the loop. Not only is are the subway tracks from Chicago, all the fucking buildings next to them right. are the loop buildings. Um, and there is an L in New York, but it's not in Manhattan. Right, they, and that's what it, it's like. I don't know what borough it's in, but I I know Brooklyn that it's not has like, them. Queens has them. Like Spider Man's hanging out. Go to Brooklyn. Spider Man's all over. Spider Man lives in Queens. Well, and then Spider Man the Two in uh, the um, 
or not? No, I guess this would be the first Spider-Man with the kid, the new kid, uh, Andrew Gar. No, what's his name? Andrew Garfield. No, no, no. The the new current Spider-Man. Oh, Tom Holland. We have too many Spider-Men. He he, yeah. he has There's a, a great scene joke. with an elevated train, and the guy's like, "Do a flip, Spider-Man!" Yeah, and he like does a flip. That's and, actually in Queens, right? That's actually in Queens. Yeah. It's and it looks like Queens. I didn't think, oh, Colin he's in Chicago. Chicago. I thought that's that's exactly what Queens looks like. No, I don't know why that scene wasn't shot there. I was right there last weekend. That's in Queens. Yeah, yeah. That's the weird thing about the Sam Raimi Spider-Man is that they're very real and then they're not real at all. Like yeah, even. And- even- even the subways are wrong doors. They're Chicago doors. They're not even New York City subway train doors. Like, it's a Chicago train. Yeah. But, it, yeah, it'll be, it'll be dead on, and then there'll be something that's so completely Hollywood. There'll be, like, a girl way too made up walking down a street that looks like a back lot with some band playing that you've never heard of ever again. And I think they're just such big Hollywood... Um, juggernauts that Sam Raimi couldn't just do his movie the way Marvel can. Yeah, I think it's really unfortunate, and I think that's why I'm excited if he's coming in to do Doctor Strange 2, which I think yeah. was is that Marvel will be like, hey, look, this guy basically built the modern superhero movie. I think we turned a corner with that first Spider-Man movie. And oh, then absolutely. We, you know, we turned another corner with Iron Man. And- but I think the Spider-Man specifically is like, this guy kind of knows what he's doing. If he had less studio dummies right in fucking around with what he's doing especially studio people that don't understand comic books at least kevin feige from all appearances appears to understand comics and kind of get it and care for the characters and i think um it'd be nice to see sam raimi take a crack at you know a modern superhero movie what are the odds that tom holland is in dr strange 2 just yeah yeah, they're they're both Ditko creations. I think there's definitely um, grounds for it. I had heard that Doctor Strange was supposed to be in the second Spider-Man movie because they um, they had Iron Man kind of guiding him in the first movie, and then mm. Iron Man dies, so then like Doctor Strange would be the next person to kind of guide him. And then I think we got that, but like with Mysterio, who's an asshole. <laughs> um, but I, I, it would be cool. I, I think um, we're probably going to see more cross pollination with the Marvel movies going forward of like just putting Spider-Man in Doctor Strange. Yeah, and I think that's my only no. problem with the new Spider-Man movies. I think they're, um, I, I really like Tom Holland. Actually watching Tobey Maguire, I, I, I'm like, yeah, I kind of prefer Tom Holland. Um, but I think there's just a little too much cross-pollination for me for Spider-Man. Like, I agree. I, yeah. I thought it was refreshing in Spider-Man 2. I'm like, oh yeah, he's the only superhero there is. Like there's, right. there's a scene where he's like, he catches a car with a web and that's going to crush some people. And like the crowd gets really excited when he goes by and I'm like, oh yeah, there's no Avengers in this world. And I kind of enjoy that. I feel like the two Spider-Man movies we got have been great, but they've kind of been Marvel team-ups. They're very Marvel team-ups. I think it's like, uh, I wouldn't mind getting away from it. Um, I think it's interesting that I love the characters meeting and all that stuff, but even the last Spider-Man movie, so there's no other heroes in it, but it's like his entire supporting cast is, MCU guys. It's Nick Fury. It's Happy mm-hmm. Hogan. It's uh, Kobe Smulders. It's like all these people that are auxiliary Marvel characters. They're not. They're not even Spider-Man characters. Do you know what I mean? They're you know. Yeah, there's and no the other, supporting cast. And it all takes place in Europe. It's not a quintessential right, yeah. Spider-Man fighting people in Manhattan with an actual New York subway. And I forgot it's how like, exciting the 
opening of that movie is and the closing of that movie is because the opening is him and the fighting the mob guys in the New York right. restaurant. And then the closing is him swinging around the city before J. Jonah Jameson takes a shit on his life. Yeah, and, that's so great. Uh, him swinging around the city, I'm just like, oh man, this is like, this is the Spider-Man I want to see. So I'm hopeful that the next Spider-Man movie is going to kind of strip it down. We've got J. Jonah Jameson, Spider-Man's on his own, you know, just build out Spider-Man's supporting cast and just let it be a Spider-Man movie. But, yeah, that's you know. that's exactly what I want. And I I get that uh, we've talked about this before. Marvel deliberately said, let's not repeat any of the five Spider-Man movies. Right. right. Like, let's not have the big swinging shot in the first film. Let's bring in the MCU. Let's not um, do the Green Goblin. Let's not do the origin. And I appreciate all of that. But yeah, it's like, I think they okay, were on the right call. Yeah, and I love both those movies. I thought Far From Home was fantastic. I Homecoming, I mean, Michael Keaton as a vulture might be the best Marvel villain. I mean, uh, yeah, I, gotta, I mean, they did a really good. I mean, most of the Marvel villains are pretty good. There's a lot of stinkers out there. Don't get me wrong, but it's like well, their, early their on, batting average is pretty high. They turned the corner, I think, with James Brolin as Thanos. Yeah, I mean, the uh, what's her name as uh, Hella was awesome. Oh, Kate Blanchett. Yeah, you know, it's like I liked a little bit of what um, the guy that played Ultron was going for. Yeah, but, but that, it's like he didn't deliver. You know, what I mean, it was like it was like he was doing something interesting, but it, but it just, didn't quite like, carry it, across. Yeah, it didn't like really land it. But like Loki's obviously great. I think Josh Brolin as Thanos is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, I just watched know. Deadpool two again too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's good as Cable. <laughs> I really love this Cable. He's gonna be a Walmart exclusive figure, and I'm I'm swearing off uh, movie figures. I, I just have too much, too many figures. Yeah. I, um, actually, I keep thinking of this joke in The Good Place. Did you watch all of The Good Place? No, the girls tried to watch The Good Place like a couple weeks ago. And they started like the first episode. And I was like, oh yeah, John's been telling me about this show. I never really got into it. And then they watched one episode. And then like a week later, I asked them, I'm like, are you guys still watching that? And they're like, no, I got weird. <laughs> so, yeah, it gets real weird, but you have to finish the first season because it explains yeah. itself. And then it goes, but there is one, Kristen Bell has one line in one episode and I cannot remember what the context is. I can't remember what the episode is. She's just like, she's on a rant and she goes, and no more Spider-Man. No more stupid dweeby Spider-Man. That's enough Spider-Man. <laughs> that has nothing to do and with I, I agree with that in the sense where I feel like we kind of cracked the code. We got it right with Tom Holland. You know, and it's he like- He will do it until he dies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he should be Spider-Man until he's an adult and then, you know, you know reboot the Marvel Universe. He should be Spider-Man until he's middle-aged. My favorite Spider-Man is- is uh, like 20s Spider-Man living in a shitty apartment because it has a skylight. Right, and that's and, what I kind of hope that they're going to get to. If they're making, they're making a fourth Thor movie, and it's the first MCU yeah. standalone movie that's getting a fourth part, right? It's like Avengers set aside. They're always going to make Avengers movies. Yeah, and it's the second Taika Waititi movie, so it's... Right, so presumably great. he'll do maybe three. We'll get a trilogy, so that'd be five Ooh, potentially. But it'd be nice, too, is if we got four or five Spider-Man movies and we could actually watch this dude grow up being Spider-Man and show, like, hey, yeah, this is all one big story. Show him grow up. Show him meet Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy die. Get with Mary Jane or whatever it is. Reverse it. I don't even need any of that. I don't need Gwen Stacy. I, I, don't, I don't need to do any of the original stories. I think, I think we've covered them. Like, we did... I think Spider-Man 1 did the best job of like doing a little bit of Gwen Stacy, but not completely 
aping that. And then Amazing Spider-Man 2 did a horrible job <laughs> of doing Gwen Stacy. Yeah, but speaking of the Pierce Brosnan thing, I actually think... Um, Andrew Garfield... One, I think he's a pretty... He's yeah. not a great Spider-Man, but he's pretty good. You know, I feel like he's in a shitty two movies. Yeah, those movies so. are terrible. Right. So, so I was I watching... The, he was uh, the problem. I was watching this... Uh, there was a, a new extra on Spider-Man 2, and I own them on iTunes. So iTunes will usually give you the DVD extras in there, which is nice. So I'm going through the extras, and then I, uh, it's like an interview with Stan Lee, and I'm like, Stan Lee looks pretty old for it to be 2004, which is when Spider-Man oh, 2 yeah. came out. And so as he's talking, they're showing clips, and they show clips from everything, including Homecoming. So it was made like probably five years ago, probably when Homecoming came out. But um, I think Stan was already gone when Far From Home came out. But as he's talking, they just show like random clips of like Tobey Maguire and Tom Holland and Andrew Garfield. And every time I saw a clip of those Andrew Garfields, I'm like, oh, these are so bad. Yeah. Like they don't even, you can't even fit them in a montage. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I remember they announced they were making it. And I think we were all just kind of like frustrated. And I remember when that first movie came out, I was really frustrated because they changed the costume so much. You oh, know, it's like there's the costume that, in Amazing Spider-Man is the worst. The first one, the second yeah, one it has it's like, like gold uh, eyes and yeah. Right, the second bad. one worked because they went back to like the comic look. Second one's actually one's, great. It's and the second one might be the best I've seen. The most one. accurate. Yeah, I've seen the Hot Toys pop up a couple of times, and I'm like, uh, should I get that? Because it's like a 12 inch regular Spider Man, and it, it's frustrating because it's the best costume in and the probably worst. the worst movie. Well, because the Tom Holland costume, especially the Homecoming. Once they cracked the articulated eyes, that was the game changer. Yeah. But then they, they I'm actually looking at the Hot Toys right now, they added like little black highlights and they broke things up just to be different. And I'm like, I don't need like a black utility belt on there. And it just, it breaks it up just enough where it's not exactly the classic Spider-Man. And he's got big black web shooters outside his costume. Yeah. It's just tiny, tiny little things where it's, and that's what frustrates me about the Marvel Spider-Man's is like, they could do it perfectly, and they're, they're like, we don't want to. Yeah, they keep making him like teen Iron Man, because he's in armor half the yeah. time, and he's got all these extra gadgets, and it's like, I kind of just want him to be like a trimmed down Spider-Man, just Spider-Man with just web shooters, you yeah. know, it's like and, as, and as, you, as Steve Ditko and Stanley uh, created. Yeah, you can keep the articulated eyes, because they really help. Yeah, that looks cool. Yeah, and then it's like, he's like, I remember when they showed the Civil War trailer, I don't think I've ever been more excited for any movie than Civil War. Because even the early ones like Avengers and Iron Man, I was like, eh, I don't know how are these going to be? You know, um, they hadn't completely won me over yet. But at the end of that trailer, when they just show Spider-Man and his eyes just go from Ditko to Bagley, I was just, I couldn't wait for that movie. And it's still my favorite MCU movie. Yeah. It has everything. And it's like, uh, whereas- Everything except a reason for them to fight. <laughs> Oh, no, no, they're on opposite. No, the reason yeah. for them to fight is that Tony and Steve both won't give in. And I love that. Yeah. And that's what the end of that movie is. They're beating the hell out of each other and they're really sad. Yeah, they're very <laughs> neither upset. one of them is going to, neither one of them is going to say, you know what, you have a point. That's one yeah. of the reasons I love that movie is they're just, they're, their personalities eventually, and they show it in Avengers. Yeah, they their, build up to it a pretty good their way. Their personalities would eventually clash on an issue that they neither they, one they would They clash every, every time those guys are in a movie, they have a clash. 
Yes. Because in the first Avengers, they clash. I mean, we're literally the first meeting. They're fighting. Yeah. <laughs> the second Avengers, they're fighting over creating Ultron. In right. the Captain America Civil War, they're fighting over the Civil they're fi- War. They're literally fighting. Right. And then even in... They, so they don't meet in Infinity War, no, but when they, they come back meet. in Endgame, yeah. they fight immediately. Yes. <laughs> he's back on Earth for like an hour and he's picking a fight. Tony Stark is like yeah. dying of starvation. He's got an IV in him. There's yeah. a body double to show how skinny he is. Right. And he's yelling at Captain America. Yeah, it's great. He's yelling at Captain America for not being there. Right. When he never really wants him there. Right. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's why I love Civil War so much. They're just, it's, it's nothing but an eventuality that they would clash. Um, oh, and by the way, speaking of Joss Whedon, because he directed Avengers 1 and 2, apparently the guy, Ray Fisher, the guy who played Cyborg, said that Joss Whedon's a piece of shit, where he said he was, like, abusive to everyone on the set. And I'm like, this is one of the few times that... Oh, because he played Cyborg in the Just League movie that Joss Sweden Reshot, yeah. Re-shot. And now, okay. there's all, now there's all this building up of, like, oh, the Snyder Cut, the Snyder Cut. We've talked about that. I can't wait to see what a fucking piece of shit that's going to be. <laughs> and everyone's going to defend it like it's this ungodly thing. They're going to be so happy with it. I'm going to keep my HBO Max subscription, and it is... I think we should watch it and do a podcast about it. Sure. It's incredibly overpriced, HBO Max. It's like, it's like the price of Netflix, but it's the value of Disney. Is it, um, is it if you have just regular HBO, you have HBO Max, right? Yeah, yeah okay. but now I don't have HBO anymore. Even like John Oliver was making fun of HBO yes. Max on this episode. I, I, yeah, I just saw that. Uh, yeah, it's – but. HBO Max, it, they have a lot of DC. They have a lot of Cartoon Network. We watched all of Space Ghost Coast to Coast to the point where I went on eBay and bought the Mezco Space Ghost, who was, uh, who's gone way up on the secondary market and was totally fucking worth it. Yeah. Well, it's Space Ghost. He's great, you He's, know? Yeah, it's a great it's Alex. Awesome. Uh, yeah, Alex Toth designed it. I think yes. we both talked about our love for Alex Toth, but uh, – I was watching that WB documentary we talked about last week. And, the Batman one, yeah. Yeah, the Batman one. And uh, Bruce Tim was saying that he, you know, he didn't intentionally uh, mod, mod Batman's off of Space Ghost, but it wasn't until after he had done all the designs for Batman, the character in the show, that he was like, oh my God, this looks, <laughs> he looks yeah. just like Space Ghost. He and does, it's just well, really kind of cool. Think of, yeah, the Batman, the animated series head, he's Space Ghost with ears. Yeah, I mean, it's I even think it's like you could take an Alex, shape Ruff, the forehead. Uh, Alex Toth drawing and you could take a Bruce Timm drawing and you could, of Space Ghost and Batman, you could kind of overlay them and it's like, it's almost identical. So and, the funny cool. thing, and the funny thing is Alex Toth designed Batman for Super Friends and he doesn't look like Space Ghost at all. Right, it's very different. It's just, uh, it's just cool to see the, that trajectory, you know what I yeah. mean, of like animation. And I mean, those, I have a whole book on Alex Toth's uh, character designs and stuff Ooh. for everything he did. It's like the guy's a fucking animation genius. Yeah, he, he, awesome. was, he was absolutely brilliant. And in the 60s when nobody cared. I mean, I I am always kind of pounding my gavel for the Hanna-Barbera Fantastic Four cartoon, which may be completely lost to time at this point because um, Time Warner owns um, Time Warner owns Hanna-Barbera. Disney owns Marvel. I think it's going to be harder to get this out than it was. Remember it took like 10, it took like 20 years because they wanted it on VHS. Remember how long it took to get the Adam West Batman out? Yeah, but I mean, I think we'll get it eventually. What, what on earth I don't does think Time so. Warner care about old Hanna-Barbera cartoons? 
Well, that, that's the thing. So why would they spend any money to put it out? Well, though I'm just saying they should. I think Disney will just be like, hey, give us those. And then they'll be like, okay, give us X amount of dollars. And yeah. then Disney will write a check. Well, that's <laughs> the thing is I don't know that it's worth anything to them. Because the Adam West Batman is enduringly popular. And they knew they'd make the money back on the Blu-rays. So yeah. eventually they work it out. I don't think people – there's not enough people that remember Fantas- the Fantastic Four 60s cartoon that like love it the way they love like the 60s Spider-Man cartoon, which you also can't get. I have a DVD that's about 15 years old and I don't think Yeah, I don't think I'm speaking so much about like the comic Hanna-Barbera stuff, but it's like Hanna-Barbera had a lot of animated properties that it's like, you're telling me they couldn't make like a modern Johnny Quest movie and people would go and see it. Or if they did a serious version of like the Herculoids, no one there's would go lot, see it. There's a you lot of I mean? talk. Like, yeah. Or Space that's what I'm Ghost. saying. It's like, yeah, exactly. It's like, I think there's a lot of intellectual properties with Hanna-Barbera. If Time Warner had any fucking idea what they were doing, they'd probably make those movies themselves. But unfortunately yeah. they probably have to leave it to people at Disney to buy the rights and then make live action versions of that. Stuff. Yeah. And because I don't I think-, think that's like the next you always kind of look at like what's going to be the next like fad or wave of things coming. We've been in superheroes for a while. I don't think that's going anywhere, but it's like nostalgia is very powerful. And I think it's like those, those cartoons were reshot or rerun for my generation too. So it's your generation that grew up on it. And then boomerang. I mean, I don't know anybody uh, that I grew up with that didn't watch or isn't familiar with some of those cartoons. Yeah, I didn't I even see them like, when they originally ran because they were mid-60s. I saw them in reruns on local TV. Right. And actually, in the 80s, I fell down a Space Coast um, rabbit hole because I was watching so much Coast to Coast. You can find all the original Space Coast cartoons on YouTube. They're really easy yeah, to find. Yeah, I think YouTube um, is- All probably- Alex Toff. Right. And it's all on there because it's like the, no one cares about this stuff, but I, right. I, I think they're mistaken. It's just like, I think those, those could be, you know, Hollywood is bankrupt for ideas. You know what I mean? They don't have any ideas. So it's always looking to adapt something else. And it's like, here's all this material that's like ready to go. And uh, you know, it's like, what are they waiting for? <laughs> yeah. Know? I don't it's like they're idiots. I don't think it's ever going to happen. I really, yeah, don't. We'll I really don't because time Warner owns all of it. And they have DC as well. So I think every time they make a movie, they're like, yeah, we could make, we could spend $50 million on a space ghost movie, or we could spend $80 million on another Batman movie and it'll make a billion dollars. Space ghost might not, space ghost might make 250 million. I don't know. I mean, I don't think, I'm not saying space ghost is going to be some huge movie, but I do think you could get some pretty decent returns for it. Oh yeah. Certainly more money than they made with that piece of garbage justice league movie they put out. Well, you know what? HBO max would probably be a great place to do serious animated series. I think bring them all back as animation. Yeah. You know, there, there was a lot of talk about a Hanna-Barbera connected universe. And remember DC put out all those. They put out that comic and some of that stuff is actually really good. Yeah. But Uh, I don't think it sold that well. No, I, I, well, I think it was kind of a mess, uh, publication wise. Uh, Didn't they do like an apocalyptic Scooby-Doo? And like yeah. a serious Flintstones, it's like... Well, the Flintstones, actually, I would really... Out of the stuff that they did when they did the initial relaunch, I was just talking to my buddy about this. The Flintstones is actually, like, awesome. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty Didn't good. Didn't Jim Lee, like, draw the covers of the Flintstones? Uh, he, I think so. He definitely did the Scooby-Doo character designs. And I yeah. never read the Scooby Apocalypse book because it just seemed too out there. But the Flintstones was actually really good. And then 
um, a lot of the, they did Future Quest, which was like a crossover yes, story. That that's what I was thinking of. And that was excellent. Um, just kind of having all these different characters meet up and like, it was essentially, uh, a, you know, a blueprint for a movie. <laughs> that's like yeah. a shared universe type thing. I don't even need a live action movie. Like if you want, like I said, if you want to use HBO Max or, or even DC Universe. So like the animated, the new animated Harley Quinn show is great. Um, I'm not saying it's Batman the Animated Series, but it's very entertaining. Yeah. And if you want to do that kind of stuff with uh, the Herculoids and Mitor, um, that's a great place for it. I mean, 20 years ago, they mined it all for parody. I mean, and we got Space Ghost Coast to Coast and the Brack Show and Harvey Birdman. Right. We got some really, really fun stuff. Is it Adventure Brothers? Is all based on um Hanna Barbera designs and animation style and stuff. Yeah, but it's like an homage, but it's it's all original characters. And I try right. I try to get into Venture Brothers. I know people that really love it. And so on Yeah. I watched like the first season and then I think like five other shows launched and I forgot I was watching it. Yeah, Dave and Stu would rave about that show all the time. Like, oh, you gotta watch Venture Brothers. And I same thing. Yeah. I tried it. I watched maybe a half a season or a season and it was fine. Yeah. But then it always seemed like this, the really good Venture Brothers stuff happens in later seasons. But and you I gotta just, watch like, it all. Yeah, and I wasn't able to put in the time to get to it, so I, I never got through it. Right, yeah. Owen O'Rearden uh, loves Venture Brothers, too, and he keeps trying to get me back into it. Yeah, and I, I think, think it's like people who love it, they really love it because it, it, I think it is one of those shows that probably pays off if you're into it the whole time, yeah. but I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get through it. Yeah, I, it's an eventually show for me. It's, but you know what? They have to stop making shows that I want to see. Right. And then for the most part, everything's still kind of shut down. Yeah. But so, and I'm like, I'm catching up on like the Disney XD Spider-Man. I'm watching that with Sebastian. And those are like, all the Disney XD shows are aimed way too low for us. They're not for comic yeah. fans or for kids, but they're fun enough. And the animation's good that I'm like, all right, well, here's, 50 episodes of spider-man that i've never seen right um, and ultimate spider-man i never finished yeah i mean i uh i kind of quit spider-man animation after they shut down spectacular spider-man which i thoroughly that enjoyed was so good. yeah <laughs> you know, well and that was like, a sony and that right was that was the merger that was greg wiseman who created gargoyles and young justice i started watching gargoyles on disney plus and i'm like somewhere in season two and um i was a little old for it I'd heard good things, so I'd seen maybe five or six episodes. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this would be a great time to watch that from beginning to end because those people adore that show. And right. I yeah, it's Spectacular Spider-Man. That's why I don't understand. You should try to finish Young Justice. It's like Young Justice was incredible from what I saw. I mean, I saw two seasons. I, I, watched, that, um, I watched all of it that was on Cartoon Network, and I, I never watched the new season that was on DC Universe. Um. It was just so serious. It didn't have a sense of humor. Yeah. And I think if something doesn't have a sense of humor, I'm not going to stick around. And you know what? Both Gargoyles and Spectacular Spider-Man were funny. Right. So, so I, I think that's, if you don't have a sense of, if, if you don't have a sense of humor, I, I just can't get into it. If it's just deadly serious all the time. Even the X-Files was funny sometimes. Right. Yeah, oh, I guess but, it's true. It's like there's not a lot of – I don't know that there's anything you're really watching that doesn't have an element of comedy in it. No, and going back to uh, – we got, we got veered off track with Joss Whedon, and eventually I think by the end of the show we'll talk about that Dean Cain's a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I am remembering the multiple tracks of this yeah, Inception podcast. Um, 
but Ray Fisher, the guy, the guy who played Cyborg, said he was really abusive on set. And usually, I'm usually in favor of the victim. I'm not into cancel culture. But usually if somebody says a guy was mean to me, that guy was actually mean. But the more I thought about this one, I'm like, I don't know, maybe to build up awareness about Zack Snyder. And I think this is where we got off track. We started talking about HBO Max. Uh, the, I think it was pa- partially, what else has Ray Fisher done? <laughs> like this guy was cyborg in half a movie. Like, doesn't it help his career? To kind of get on Zack Snyder's side when the, the fan base is motivated for Zack Snyder? I mean, maybe, but didn't, um, didn't Josh Sweden have like a really nasty breakup with his ex-wife? He had a bad divorce, but I mean, are you expecting to hear sunny stories from divorce? Bill Murray had a bad divorce. Yeah. You know, um, but the other thing was Alan Tudyk, who... Um, he Alan was in T- Buffy, right? He was or in no, Firefly. Firefly. Yeah. He was in um, Buffy. Or he was in Angel. Like when Firefly got canceled, everyone who was on Firefly appeared in either Buffy or Angel. He's yeah. on Angel. Uh, Nathan Fillion was definitely on Buffy, but he also um, he was also K two S O in Rogue One. He um, yeah. he also um, he appears in everything. Ben and I have this running joke about Alan Tudyk now, where every time I say that's Alan Tudyk, he says, "Who's Alan Tudyk?" And now he's just doing it as a joke because Alan Tudyk's yeah. ain't fucking everything. He was- he's in um like the I don't remember the name of the movie because there's a couple movies like this, but it's like a movie about knights with Heath Ledger, but there's like rock music in it. Oh yeah, I never he's saw that. that. It's pretty Knight's good. Tale? Knight's Tale. Um, yeah, maybe it's a Knight's Tale. I because I get that confused. The title of that movie I always get confused with when uh, I, I'm trying to think who's the comedian that goes back in time and he's a knight. Uh, Danny Kay. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's in the fifties. Uh, I can't remember. No idea. Yeah, I can't remember who it is. It but like Alan Alan Tudyk does a lot of voiceover work too because he's King Candy and Wreck It Ralph. He's the Joker in the Harley Quinn animated series. He mm-hmm. was just Mister Nobody in Doom Patrol. Um, he did that show that came and went with Ron Funches and Danny Pudi about like uh. They were like an insurance company in the DC universe. It was called Powerless. Vanessa Hudgens oh, was in it. He sounds played, like a ripoff of Doom Patrol. Or it was Doom Patrol, uh, Damage Control. Yes, it was bad, but he played Bruce Wayne's cousin who had like uh, low self-esteem. He was in Arrested Development as like Anne's dad. He's in everything. But he tweeted back, I've known Joss Whedon for 17 years and I can't imagine this happening. And I have a pretty good imagination. I'm like, well, who am I going to believe? The guy who played Cyborg who got called back for reshoots, who, by the way, was basically cut out of Joss Whedon's reshoots because there's not a lot of Cyborg in the theatrical cut. Or Alan Tiddick, who's like worked with Joss Whedon for 20 years and has given him amazing performances. I'm kind of on Alan Tiddick's side in this one. Yeah, I mean, it's always kind of like wait and see. I just assume everybody's a piece of shit. (laughs) I'm pleasantly surprised when you find somebody who's not, so... It yeah, wouldn't well, surprise me. I'm just getting to the point where I don't believe that I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, one, one step at a time, you know. Oh, I'm almost. I'm I'm nearing fifty. It's taken that long. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting there though. Yeah. Progress. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, going back to a piece of shit, which is how we started the podcast. Yeah. Uh, um, Dean Kane actually yeah, is Dean, a piece of shit. Yeah, and it's like, and uh, Mark Mark Wade actually posted that meme about. Um, thank you for living up to Superman, not you. And Mark mm. Wade, number one, um, very left-leaning. Uh, we, we, we never mention Mark Wade without talking about how much we love him. Um, 
from meeting him at all. Yeah. A few times. Um, but also who knows Superman better than Mark Wade? Yeah. I mean, oh. uh, Mark Wade's one of those guys where, you know, uh, his writing's kind of always awesome. He's not, you know, doesn't really have any bad runs on stuff, you know, mediocre maybe, but it's like some yeah. of his, my favorite stuff comes from Mark Wade. And it's like, he's one of those guys that uh, I've like this group of guys that I really like in comics. And it, a lot of it comes from, uh, you see him in a lot of documentaries and stuff. And Mark Wade mm -hmm. did that secret origins documentary. He's yes. all over that DC did. Um, he's on the super friends with uh, Jeff Johns. They do it, you know, talk. It's like, and he, so it's like the guy has so much joy for comic books and the characters and all this. Like, it's like, we love the same nonsense. You know what I mean? It's right. like, <laughs> and it's just, he's really endearing, lovely, lovely. He man. was doing these uh, trivia panels at conventions. Yes. I know he did. Z2 Him and um, Kurt Busiek. Yeah. To just to try to stump them. Yeah. Kurt Busiek. You, they, cause they have like encyclopedic knowledge yeah. of comics. It's like unreal <laughs> with these guys. And, and then that, kind of goes to show you is like I put both of those guys in this category of like favorite writers of like they're two guys that pretty much I'll read anything they want to write um you know outside even outside of like the big two companies um they're both uh phenomenal writers and they love love comics there is a great um there's a great parody of this old Stanley Jack Kirby comic I believe it was in uh at Fantastic Four annual did you ever see it's like um, they drew themselves and it's Stan getting like all excited about crazy things. And like Jacker was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just drawing it. Yeah. I think uh, I've seen that. Well, they did one for untold tales of Spider-Man, which um, again, if you've never read untold tales of Spider-Man, um, it was this 99 cent book when in the mid nineties, when the industry was starting to tank, one of the ideas was, Oh, it's because comics are too expensive because they were $2. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they're double. Now they're double that price. Right. Uh, and so they released all these 99 cent books and they were, um, most of them were pretty bad. There were, um, there was like X-Men Adventures and Spider-Man Adventures that were like adaptations of the animated series, but yet the animated series were adaptations of the comics. So I know it was, it was like a snake eating itself. Yeah. It was the, anytime they do that, I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, it was the Ouroboros of, uh, well, I mean, the Batman, I think because Batman Adventures was selling, but it was. But it's like, weren't those original stories? Yeah. Right. So, yeah. you know, it's like, I just did it's a disconnect there. But then they did, but it was also during the Clone Saga when people were getting really pissed off at Spider-Man. And uh, Marvel was like, all right, we'll do a 99 cent book that's set in the Silver Age. So whether he's Peter Parker or Ben Riley, it doesn't matter because we're going to set it during the Stanley Ditko days, 10 years before the clone happens. Uh, but it was brilliant. But Kurt Busiek, uh was created all these new villains. And the, the idea was a good idea, never really took off, was that. The villains that Kurt Busiek created in Untold Tales would then appear in the modern Spider-Man, and then Peter would be like, or Ben, or whatever the fuck it was at that point, would be like, oh, I haven't seen you since I was in high school. And I'd be yeah. like, yeah, I was in prison. Now I'm going to punch you. Uh, that never quite took off because none of the villains he created really clicked. But they were all set, not only were they set in between issues of Stan Lee's team to go, but in the letters column, he'd be like, this story takes place between pages eight and nine of Amazing Spider-Man number 11. And yeah, he did a good job of like, it's, I don't really know of anything else like this where they kind of like insert a run. It's, I mean, it's a one story too. He's telling right. like, you know, a story, but he set, inserts a run into another run and it works pretty well. I mean, and it was so detailed. I have to read them. 
I would go back to the omnibus and I would open like issue 11, page eight and nine. And at the end of page eight, he'd like lose a fight. And then page nine would begin the next day at Midtown High. And it's like, oh, he created this whole issue to take place that night. Yeah. Like, it was really amazing. But they did a parody of that Jack Lee, Stanley, uh, Jack Lee. That, that is the greatest Hong Kong action star that hasn't crossed yeah, over yet. Jack, Jack Lee. Lee. <laughs> um, that's also the worst cheese you can buy. Mm. Mm, big pound of Jack Lee. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> Comes in a tub for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they did a parody of that Stanley Jack Kirby backup where it was uh, Kurt Busiek and Pat Olaf who uh, Pat Olaf drew that whole run and then went on to Spider-Girl. So he always did these uh, lower tier Spider-Man titles, but he was really good. I almost bought a page of his original art for like a hundred bucks on eBay. Yeah. People don't know who he is. Right. Um, but they did that exact parody that it was Kurt Busiek calling him up and going, I'm going to use Pace Pot Pete and then I'm going to use uh, Dory Evans and then I'm going to use, and then the rest of the comic is Pat Olaf going to the comic book store and spending all of his page rate buying the back issues that Kurt Busiek was talking about. To understand it, yeah, yeah, and and then and then the last page, Kirby Isaac's like, I scrapped all of it. Now it's gonna be the frightful five from this what if issue. But Kirby Isaac's knowledge runs that deep that he could just kind yeah, of pull he's this a, stuff he's out. He's a savant, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I think uh, if if this week has been about anything, it's been about people trying to be good and not succeeding, or people being pieces of shit. Or maybe not. Yeah, it's hard to say. Well, I do think it's something that's like, uh, we're kind of living in this like parody world where just like nonsense is happening. Right. And there's right. really bad stuff happening. But then the nonsense, you're just kind of like, wait, is that a real, like Kanye West is running for president. You're just yes. like, what? <laughs> like, <Yeah>. really? <laughs> Kanye so- West is running for president until he forgets he was running for president. And that is the end of the story. He was right. also yeah. endorsed by Elon Musk, who like, had one really good idea, and now he's just crazy. Well, yeah, I mean, Elon Musk is complicated because he's a total piece of garbage, but it's like he he is trying to do something that I think needs to be done. He's doing trying several some things that need to I, be done. I got a friend who owns a Tesla. It's a great fucking car. Yeah, he builds a great car. You know, solar panels. He's got Solar City, the boring company building tunnels. It's like he wants to give wireless internet to the planet. It's just like he has good ideas. He just needs to shut the fuck up and do them. Yeah. You know, rockets, very important. You know, it's kind of the same thing they say about Bono. There's a whole South Park about how Bono's a good person and a piece of shit. Right. Yeah. It's like, uh, I, I think it's like you get. And who knows what being a celebrity does to your brain? You know what I mean? It's like, it's not good for people. But I think the, uh, yeah, I think you can still be a good person and be a piece of shit celebrity. You know, it's like, or, right. you know, or maybe you're trying to do a good thing and you're still, you know, fucking it up. We can't all be Tom Hanks. No, there's only one. Well, and I think that, uh, and speaking of good people and speaking of uh, the shitty world where no one can connect to each other. I heard a lot of fireworks outside. I saw nothing. That was 4th yeah. of July just because no one comes out. But the, the big thing they did was uh, Disney Plus released Hamilton. Yeah, and I heard that was like extremely like crazy. My mom watched it. I'm like, we saw this live, and she's like, "But this is the real, this, this is the real cast." I'm like, <laughs> you know, it's, like our cast. I've been watching it in pieces because I forgot it's almost three hours long. 
Yeah, it's a long. I like. I know the first seven songs of Hamilton really well. Yeah, I'm like, oh, here comes my shot, and then I'm an hour and a half in, and I'm like, wait, what's going on? His wife is singing. What? Yeah, because <laughs> it's so long, and um, but it's done really, really well. Because not only is it Lin Manuel Miranda and the original cast, um, it's shot beautifully. It's shot with all HD cameras, and. Uh, I'm like, I'm, I think I still have like 45 minutes because I'll listen to like five or six songs. I saw it, I don't know, five years ago and in Chicago with that cast. Yeah. Uh, but it's all, the thing that keeps throwing me, and this is kind of me just being technical about it, was Ben and I started watching it. And in the middle of it, it, sa- it says, when it comes up, it says like New York 2016. So it's the original cast on Broadway. And the song's going, you don't see the audience, but you hear the applause. And then, uh, like, the beginning when Lin-Manuel first steps out and sings, like, my name is Alexander Hamilton, there was a close-up on him that I immediately yelled out loud, that camera's on the stage. So I'm trying to figure out if they shot it for the cameras, like, on an off day, Mm -hmm. with all the real lighting and all the real choreography, um, or did they shoot a live performance and then do reshoots for close-ups because it doesn't feel like you're watching a stage play. It feels like you're watching how they did the stage play. It's this weird quasi thing where it's, when I was a kid, I don't see it much anymore, but they used to just put two cameras in a Broadway theater. And I would when I'm put it on PBS and I saw like Sweeney Todd that day, that way. And like Sunday in the park with George and streetcar named desire. And it was, they were not well shot because they weren't getting in the way of the audience. They had like, yeah. A, a left camera and a right camera. Then it was a record of that. I have a really shitty DVD of Evil Dead the Musical like that, where it kind of looked like it was a VHS camera that the cast did to kind of run through a rehearsal. Um, this is not that, but it's also not the movie of Hamilton. Like, yeah, if I, mean, it I went... watched a little of it and I saw, I, and I don't know if I'm seeing the things you're speaking about but it does seem like because that was the big question i had was like uh how how does this look is it well edited together you know jumping between the different camera angles and it looked pretty good um i seriously doubt they put a camera on the stage see you i know what i mean it's I'm like really starting catch to, it in the wide shots yeah but i'm really starting to think that they shot the performances all wide shots and then they did reshoots of all close-ups so they just did a line here a line there like maybe when they were editing have it. the and they did, No, they did that with the audience. Hmm. So I think when it's, you know, when it's like two sentences, I think they just cut in other shots. Yeah. I'd be interested. I gotta, I must watch it through or whatever to kind of. It's driving idea. me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it. But it's really well done. And I mean, when they eventually make a Hamilton movie and of course they will, um, it'll be like on location. There'll be multiple sets. They right. will not be like cast members are playing two roles because there are, there are cast members that play a character in the first act that dies or that just kind of disappears out of his life. And then they come back and they're playing somebody else. Like there'll be a bigger cast. It'll be a full movie. And eventually yeah. they'll have to make a movie because they do and no one will like it because. Yeah. I mean, they'll try, <laughs> but it's just like, yeah, I don't think anything gets to be the size of Hamilton on Broadway that doesn't become a movie, yeah. you know, cats, you know, it's like that movie might have been horrific or whatever, but it's like they made it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but Cats was running on Broadway from like the 80s to the 2000s. It was there forever. Right. 
Like I had multiple jobs where I walked past you, cats at the Winter Garden Theater. This is this is the biggest Broadway play they've ever done, right? Hamilton? Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely the biggest the biggest musical of our age, and it's hard to point to a movie musical that's great. Right. right. Most people don't like them as much. I can think of like Grease was good with John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. I really like Jesus Christ Superstar because it's just weird and hippie-ish and they're running around ruins and there's no sets. Yeah. Um, I got a lot of love for that. Little Shop of Horrors was really good, but there was a cult musical and then it was a cult movie. Yeah. Um, that Frank Oz made, but then they completely changed the ending. They gave it a happy ending, um, which is weird. But there's mostly there are things like the producers where people love the musical and then fucking hated the movie. Rent. Yeah, I like the movie. People hated Rent. People hate Cats. They won't yeah. stop talking about how much they hate Cats. Well, Cats is just kind of like, I never saw the play and I never saw the movie, but it's like the complaints of the Cats movie just seem to be that it's, it's just, it's super weird. <laughs> you know, well, it's yeah. just. Well, it's also super. So weird. CGI weird. Yeah, it's CGI cat weird in a way that they'd never do on stage. Right. But, you know, they're used, uh, Les Mis Rob people really liked. I never saw that one. But it's like it, Chicago people really liked. Um, I'm naming a lot of musicals that people liked. And not Moulin Rouge, related. right? That was a musical. Uh, I don't think Moulin Rouge was ever on stage. I think that was oh. they wrote for the screen. But it's like musicals so rarely work. Yeah. That um, I think Lynn manuel Miranda is kind of worried to do a Hamilton movie. Yeah. Because nobody wants to make The Producers. The Producers drives me crazy because it was the funniest movie I've ever seen. And then it was this amazing musical that I saw. I saw it in previews on Broadway because I was just like, I love this movie and it's Nathan Lane and Matt Broderick. Let's go before the hype started. And the movie's god awful. It's not funny. It's not interesting because they got the director of the musical to make a movie and she didn't know how to make a movie. Yeah. So it's so bad that it's like, it's alarming how bad it is and they'll never they'll never take another crack at it you know it's like the last airbender where it's like you had everything you just needed to shoot what was already made well now aren't they they're doing a live action on one of the streaming networks for the last airbender i heard rumors about that but i think everybody kind of wants this big connected fantasy universe yeah um yeah i don't need it give me a third animated series i'm like that with hannah barbera it's like you know what? Um, Avatar, we're watching again because it's on Netflix. It's phenomenal. They, yeah. just, they just upgraded it to HD. So, like, uh, the last time I watched it, I'm like, wow, it looks really good. Legend of Korra is very underrated. That was a really good series. And I know Tina and Lisa love Avatar. Yeah. Um, but, uh, make a third series in that universe. Make a, th- like, you know, do, give me, give me 65 episodes in that universe and I'll be more than happy. Yeah. Um, I think and I Shyamalan tainted the live action so badly. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, I understand that he did to where they won't, I mean, he's not going to work on it again, but I do think it's like people want another Game of Thrones. And I think something well, like yeah, Avatar... Well, yeah, networks want another Game of Thrones. Well, you know, yeah, Avatar, but I mean, people would watch it because I think there's a lot of people that wouldn't watch a cartoon because people are dumb and they're just like, cartoons are for kids. And it's just like, regardless of, you know, how good Avatar the show is. Yeah. And I think there'll be somebody at some point is going to want to make the live action Avatar because it would be a very Game of Thrones-esque 
yeah. traveling this mystical world and there's all these different cultures they go to and they're well the big thing you know i think the big thing the movie missed and i would hate for a tv series to miss it and if they're going game of thrones they'll definitely miss it is the the humor of avatar because I'm, I'm watching it with sebastian sebastian doesn't really care about the action i mean the action right. is beautiful you can tell they choreographed all the moves and they work with martial right. arts. It's, it's incredible world building where you get a sense of the history and the places in like a middle earth kind of way. But Sebastian loves it because it's hilarious. And it, every episode is really funny. Right. And that's a, definitely one of the things among all of them that the, the movie missed. Yeah. But you know, Amazon is doing this gigantic Tolkien series. Yeah, we still don't know anything about. No, I don't know what that's going to be. I mean, the the movies hold up really well, so it's going to be yeah. tough. Yeah, I uh, I think if they're going it, to... It's frustrating. We've talked about this before. Is just like, you're not going to make better Lord of the Rings than those movies. It's just, it's right. not going to happen. It's like, not like the Harry Potter movies where there's plenty of room for improvement. Those probably should have been shows in any way because of the volume of material they were all okay i never finished that second fantastic beast it was on hbo max there's and, supposed to make seven of those movies yeah i think yeah i think at least five a lot of them but you know what the first one was entertaining and i watched half of the second one and i was like am i really tired or does this movie make no sense yeah. Because it was just every five minutes, Johnny Depp was running around and Eddie Redmayne was running around. I'm like, I don't know what anyone's doing in this movie. Yeah, I never, I never seen either one of them all the way through, but I saw parts of the first one. It looked okay. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I do think that, um, you know, they, they're not going to want to remake Lord of the Rings. So it's frustrating that they're like, we're going to make a TV show based on the Lord of the Rings in that universe, but not based on any book or existing material. They're going to kind of make up their it's own thing. Tough. And it's like, okay, you, you could just make your own fantasy story then, which clearly they're not capable of, or you can adapt one of the many hundreds of fantasy novels that have dozens and dozens of books in their series. Well, they you know, did that. All and we, this material. Well, you know what? We, they did all that. And that's how we got things like the maze runner and Percy Jackson and the golden compass and the bridge to Tarabitha and none of them worked. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, and yeah, we could create our own fantasy world, but in terms of the networks, they're like, we Lord of the Rings made a billion dollars. If we make a six of that, just from people going, I like Lord of the Rings. I'll watch this. That's more money than we just created this fantasy world. Come and watch it. I mean, Borrowed interest is so valuable. But that's Hollywood. what I'm saying is that there's all these other novel books and I understand you're saying, but they tried a bunch of times. It's like, yeah, are they trying a bunch of times with the fucking budget of a billion dollars? No, because they you have know? to guarantee that's coming back. And, and honestly, I think the Lord of the Rings cost a lot at the time, but I think it was 300 million for all three. They, they spend more than that on like, they, they spend more than that on Endgame. Yeah, more than that on one movie now, and you right. have to you have to guarantee. All right, if we spend five hundred million dollars on Endgame, we kind of have to know we're going to make a billion with it. And nobody likes to go out with an untried property, as as we were discussing before. Nobody's going to make a fifty million dollar Space Ghost movie. Yeah, well, because like, yeah, are fifty million people going to go see a Space Ghost movie? Not unless it was a Spider Verse kind of event where people are like, "Oh my God, this thing is the most amazing thing," and you. You think it might be okay, but it's actually incredible. But Spider yeah. Spider Verses don't happen every year. I think it's doable. Venom uh, happens every year. 
Yeah, and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> because he's Venom. Because, world. And you know what? Every time we talk about Venom, I bring this up. But uh, I went to see, see it with Owen, um, who I've mentioned before on this podcast. And there was such a specific smell to that theater that it was like, yeah, this is what Venom's fans smell like. Stale yeah. cigarettes and not showering. <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, they're, they're an easy bunch to pick out. In a yeah. crowd. You know what? I might go watch Venom today. I haven't seen it in so Tom Hardy and his bag of ticks. <laughs> yeah, I he's a weird man. I, I actually it's like it's frustrating because I I never really heard of Tom Hardy and then I saw him in he got cast as Bane in the yeah. Batman movie. And then I watched um I don't know if this is before Batman or after, but he did this movie called um Brox Broxton. Oh yeah, it was on Netflix for a long time. He was like the English murder guy. Yeah, and I he think he like, got big for that movie and then just stayed big for Bane. Right. And uh, he, I mean, he, I don't really remember too much of that movie, but I remember being like, wow, this guy's really like intense or whatever. And then he did a good job as Bane, except for the ridiculous voice, which- I love the ridiculous voice. voice. I mean, it was just kind of a weird choice, especially it's like, it was clearly changed at some point because that it first was, trailer- It was clearly heightened to be filtered out with the electronic filter. But then after that first trailer, nobody could understand what he said. So they just took the filter off. And right. then they talk like this. By the way, and that's now the Bane voice in, um, oh, Somebody Good is doing, I'm blanking on it, in the Harley Quinn animated series. And the Lego Batman movie, that's Bane's voice. When you want to make right. fun of Bane. You're like, you. I'm Bane and I'm going to lift things over your head. Yeah. Uh, but then it's like, since that movie, it's just like, this guy's just kind of a nut, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's just doing the same good. weird shit in every movie. Yeah, he does a lot of, Venom's weird. He's in Inception. Actually, I watched Inception again. Ben hadn't seen it. And I realized it's the entire cast of the Dark Knight trilogy. It's like, oh, this is everyone Christopher Nolan likes. Yeah. Because, you know, it's Michael Caine. It's Tom Hardy. It's, um, oh, I'm blanking on the guy who played the fake Ra's al Ghul. Um, oh, Liam Neeson. Oh, no. No, Ken no, no. Thank you. Ken Wontanabe is, is in that. It's like, it's uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's like every, everyone, um, Marion Cotillard. Yeah, it's like everyone but the lead. You change Christian Bale with Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio, DiCaprio yeah. and you're done. <laughs> you just have, and I think Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy is in uh, Dunkirk, isn't he? I never saw Dunkirk. I I've heard it's it a masterpiece, but I uh, haven't yeah, seen it. It did seem like uh, that in like 1916, the Sam Mendes movie. That's like yeah, shot. It's like oh, I should see this. And I'm like, I just can't get worked up enough to sit through it's that. because they're not funny. <laughs> you know, it's no, like, they're not funny. And they're going to be like like if it's not close funny. to three hours. And it's, it's going to be close to three hours. There's not going to be a lot of talking. So I'm not going to be able to be on my laptop. No. You know, and as I've shown, like the rest of America, well, when there were movie theaters, um, I tend to go to stuff that I'm worried is going to get spoiled. So like, yeah. okay, I'll go see, uh, I'll go see Deadpool two opening weekend, but I'm not gonna go see Dunkirk. What you about know? that new movie he's got coming out? Who? Um, Sam Nolan. Nolan. Oh yeah, that just keeps getting pushed back because it's like some weird time travel movie or something. I think it's called Titan. He really, Tenet. really. Tenant. Right. Tenant. Yes. Yeah. No end because it's not David Tenant. Uh, yeah, he really wants it to be in theaters. So they just keep, now it's August, but you know, by August, movie theaters are not going to be open. No. 
So he's not, it's, he's not going to be in, uh, he's, it's not going to come out. Yeah. I mean, you know, I haven't seen Dunkirk yet, so um, I'm not going to be able to see, um, I'm not going to see Tenet. Uh, you know what? I have very little interest. Everyone always kind of goes nuts when this guy makes a new movie. And I didn't see Dunkirk, but it looked interesting. This Tenet movie just looks like just nonsense. Again, Nolan's not funny, so I can't get that into it. Like, Heath Ledger's not funny as the Joker. He's the only Joker that's not even funny. Well, there's Jared Leto. Um, yeah. Jared Leto's yeah. just obnoxious. He does, I don't think he has to be funny. I think he worked for that world, but... Um, yeah, but he's so, he's so serious. He, he's... And it's so deadly. He's, he's, he's horrifying. There's That's a like, lot. I forget how nerving he is. Well, there's a lot of people sitting in chairs just telling you the exposition of things, and the and the he cut he cuts so close that you that no one ever reacts to anything in his movies because as soon as somebody says their line, they've cut to something else. You know, and they're just like, like there's just a there's always a character sitting in a chair going. That bank vault will be open between 9 and 9.15 tomorrow. When, you, when you're there in that bank vault, you need to get there. There will be a guard. You need to kill that guard. And then they just cut to the bank vault. Like, yeah. no one has an emotional life in a Christopher Nolan movie. And I find his movies interesting. But, like, Interstellar took me three days to get through. Yeah, I see. That's another one I didn't see. I just keep seeing the memes of Matthew McConaughey crying, <laughs> you know, in space. <laughs> crying in space. Man, yeah. Man, space is sad. <laughs> He's sad in space. I just feel I just feel sad in space. All right. Well, we talked about lots and lots of things. <laughs> yeah, no centralized topic. Uh, pe- uh, people are pieces of shit or they're not. Yeah, that's, and that's a fair assessment. You have a greatest thing this week? Um, I, well, so uh, this week I finished um, Dark. It's that Netflix show I've been oh, yeah, talking yeah. about, Prime Travel. So they did... Um, three seasons, I guess it was planned as a trilogy and that's it. They're not going to make any more. And it is, uh, super confusing. It's probably the best sci-fi show I've ever seen in terms of like complexity and put togetherness. But I think I have to rewatch it to fully piece it all together. It's like, it's like, I kind of got the general idea, but I know I'm missing a lot of nuance. There was just so many characters. There's so much time travel that people are interfering with their own timelines and everyone else's. There's interpersonal relationships between all the characters that are moving around. So it's a very, very... I recommended the show when I was in season one. My mom's always like, what are you guys watching on Netflix? She always wants to watch whatever the kids are watching. And I initially recommended it. And then when I finished it, I told her, I'm like, don't watch this show <laughs> because I don't know that you, people are going to get it. And I don't know that I get it, but it's so complicated and it does deal with so much time travel and paradox and all this stuff. It's very difficult, I think, to kind of wrap your head around. And I know my dad would be frustrated with it because he wouldn't get it. There, there's too many questions for too long that my dad wouldn't stick around for answers. So I'm like, don't let him watch it. He'll hate it. They're watching The Mandalorian. My dad loves it. I'm like, just just watch The Mandalorian. I'm like, don't watch this fucking show. Yeah, I'm doing that with, I'm, I'm in that situation with Legion. Um, I loved the first season. I talked about it then. I, it, yeah, I, just I remember Marco, uh, we've had on the show a couple times. Marco loved Legion. He's like, you guys got to watch yeah, this. Yeah, and then season two was a little more complicated, and I, I couldn't remember a lot of it. Season three is kind of challenging me, and uh, I keep having days where it's like, oh, I can put something on. I'll put Legion on, but then I'm like, I'm working, 
and I'm like, every time yeah, I look you, up, every time I look up, multitask. No, something completely different is happening, and I'm like, are you defying me to follow you? Yeah. So I'm. I'm moving through that last season really slow. And actually I'm good six months late. Cause I didn't even watch it when it aired. Um, my greatest thing actually last week we, when I was in New York, we, um, I was trying to watch Legion on the plane and uh, we hit a lot of comic book stores and there were a lot of little local ones where the guy was wearing a mask and there was only two people in there. So I got a couple of books for the plane that Joker 80th anniversary book came out. Like DC's doing all these $10 books because to, Action sold yeah. um, two years ago, and then Detective sold last year. So now they're just doing characters. So they did a Green Lantern. They did a Joker. Uh, and I read the Joker, and it was good. Um, kind of Joker satiated. But while I was there, he also had Robin, which came out a couple months ago. And I didn't even know it came out. And I was like, you know what? I'm getting on the plane. Let me – I'll buy both. And um, Robin was so much more entertaining than Joker that it was really, really fun. And it was, what, one of the things that made it so much fun was it had way more breadth of scope than Joker, where um, no two stories were the same because there was, here's a Silver Age Dick Grayson story. Now here's a Nightwing story. Now here's a Jason Todd story. Now here's a Tim Drake story. Now here's a spoiler story that it was constantly switching gears and Robin so much lighter a character that it was really fun. There's a brand new Chuck Dixon, Scott McDaniel, Nightwing story. Their Nightwing run is classic. Um, I really enjoyed myself reading a comic. Yeah. And I can't tell you the last time I can say that because I'm still with Amazing Spider-Man, but you know, it took a couple months off because of COVID and it's been a little bogged down in events and it's building to something big, but we don't know what. Um, but that's the one comic I read month in month out or in the case of amazing spider-man twice a month in twice a month out yeah um i can't remember the last time i really had fun reading a superhero comic so if you you can find it chances are it's still on the stands yeah the uh, good thing about those books is there there's there's no value to them uh co co collectively so mm -hmm. even if they sell out which they probably won't there's usually a second printing or they print enough of them so they don't have to worry about it selling out so they're yeah pretty and at 100 pages it's basically a trade it has a binding so you're buying a 10 right and there's no continuity it's not like this kicks right. off the that's big the crossover that's nice yeah uh, it was it was a really entertaining read because i've been wanting with everything going on i've been wanting something light and so i've been kind of like nuts i dropped batman after tom king left so I'm not yeah. even reading Batman, which is my favorite character. Is Batman Catwoman or Bat Cat or whatever it's right. going to be called this start? And I'm really excited about that. I listened to him on um, uh, there's another thing my buddy Ken recommended to me was the uh, he was on the Word Balloon podcast with John Suntress, who's yeah. a wonderful human being. Yep, and great, um, good friend of ours. They were talking about it, and he said that they're actually really ahead on that book because of everything going on. It keeps getting pushed back, which I'm actually fine with because Clay Man is a very he's taking a lot of time to draw it. And that guy's like top of the industry right now in terms of artists working, I believe. But then um, I can't remember how to say this guy's name, but he did a lot of the Batman stuff. He's got the guy that looks like a very Mazzucchelli Batman style art. Is that uh I think well, it's well, Lee Weeks. Hornis. No, it's not Lee Weeks. It's, it was that a, a Mikhail Jenin? No, there's Mikhail, one other guy. It's Mikhail Jenner and I like, I like a lot. When I look back at that Tom King run, he drew a lot of it. And I'm like, I really enjoy this guy's art. Yeah, he's really good. But this is the other artist on the book. And he's a very Mazzucchelli style guy. Hmm. 
And I guess Tom you're, King's you're working on a project. You're making me think of Lee Weeks, so. Yeah, it's definitely not Lee Weeks because I, I know that guy's name and followed that fellow pretty regularly. But this guy, he's, he's doing a book with Tom King that they actually haven't even announced yet, he says. But he said they're five issues in already. Wow. So that book should get announced probably later this year, maybe. Is it a Batman book or is it? He won't say. It's definitely not creator-owned. It's a book for DC, so it's probably something in the vein of like a Mr. Miracle. Or Adam um, Strange. And Adam Strange. You know, and I think that's kind of like, Tom King's MO. I think he's going to stick with Batman. Well, we'll see what happens after Batcat. He said Batcat's the end of his run. But he likes taking these lower-tier characters and doing these 12-issue maxi series. And Mr. Miracle was genius, and so was Vision at Marvel. Yeah, his vision was great at Marvel. Mr. Miracle's great. I'm really digging Adam Strange right now. The only two issues I haven't have started so far. Yeah. It's good, but it's one of those books where it's like issue to issue. You're kind of always like, you don't really know where it's going. Yeah. Um, but I don't mind that. I'm really uh, digging this, jumping back and forth between like the present and then whatever happened on Adam Strange's world. I don't even know what the world's called. Rand. Well, and remember, Tom King likes to not show you action. That's yes, like one of his, little, yeah. he loves the little moments and it first frustrated me. And like in the war of jokes and riddles in the Batman run was like, there was a huge gang war between Joker and Riddler. And that was like, that sounds like this amazing event. And they, he never shows it. He shows like a negotiation at Wayne Manor. He shows yeah. kite, how kite man reacts. He likes, he likes to walk around the periphery. It's right. Like we never, you never see the big action pieces. In no, it's almost like he's writing the secondary title. It's almost yeah. like he was writing Detective and Batman was doing the big set pieces. And Mr. Miracle, but with Mr. Miracle, I got into that because Mr. Miracle is this huge war of the new gods. You never you rarely see no, it. Yeah. He's like, you he's a stay at home dad with a, like a battle. You know what I mean? It's like, he'll show the battle or have a conversation with Orion after some big battle or something. Yeah, but it's you, like, you it's rarely a, see the action. But Mr. Miracle is about like a new dad with postpartum depression who's staying yeah. at home with the kids. And what pulled me through that was I like Mr. Miracle. I loved him in Justice League International. And then later I loved the fourth world. So I'm like, all right, any more. Um, I think Adam Strange is a tough sale to me. Vision, I didn't buy. I think I ended up buying it on Comixology, but I think I borrowed it from you. But it was worth yeah. a read. But I'm like, yeah, Vision's not in my top 10 of characters. Adam Strange is way low. Like there have been ties I haven't had to figure because I just sold them. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. care about you. Yeah, um, it's like I always liked Adam Strange, but there's nothing um, there's nothing to point to to be like, this is a great Adam Strange run. It's like, I think the Rand Thanagar War is probably the only book I read where he was a prominent right. character in and it. And that was part of Infinite Crisis. Right, and that was part of his bigger story. Now, Rand Thanagar War, to my recollection, I read it once, you know, 100 years ago. I really enjoyed it. Ivan Reese did the art, which was like the first big assignment they gave mm -hmm. him before he became like this fucking superstar artist. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, Adam Strange is one of those guys where it's like, he's got a cool look. The origin's interesting, but See, I, I like, hate I his look. He just, he just looks like a 40s. I, I like guys that. that just look like 50s spacemen. You know, yeah. if you look anything like, a, you know, Flash Gordon or type character. I I'm hate like, those guys. No, I he, love it. Give him a ray gun and a jetpack, and I'm in. Yeah, he's <laughs> so got a like, fin on his head and an X on his chest. I'm like, it's oh. awesome. I'm it like, haven't great. we moved past this as a culture? No, that's that's <laughs> sci-fi 101. Give well, him a ray you, gun and a jetpack, and I'm happy. If you'd like to tell us what you've moved on with as a culture, uh, by the way, ray gun yeah. and a jet. By the way, ray gun and a jetpack is Boba Fett. I'm gonna stop the plug for that just to tell you yeah. that Boba Fett's a ray gun and a jetpack. 
Yeah, he's got a cool look. Too bad he's a total bitch in those movies. Yeah, but the Mandalorian kicks ass, and they gave him a jetpack. He, does. he doesn't have a jetpack yet. Uh, yeah, he does. Spoilers, last episode, he gets a jetpack. He does? Yeah. He totally does. It's worth. I, think I thought he ha- he sees a guy with a jetpack and he's like, I gotta get one of those. Yeah, he does that. That's John Favreau in like episode three. But at the last battle, he gets a jetpack. Oh, and he has it permanently. Uh, he has it at the end of the season. We'll see what happens uh, season two. I guess I gotta rewatch it. Yeah, uh, I think I might rewatch that again. It's only eight episodes. I might rewatch Picard again too. I'm gonna watch it just because my dad's watching it. <laughs> you know, it's good. He asked me. He's like, he's like, when does this take place? And I was like, oh boy. I'm like, all right. A million years ago when you watched Return of the Jedi as like a youth, presumably at some point, I'm like, this movie, ta- this show takes place after that. It's five years, five years after Return of the Jedi. Is right. What and then he's like, he's like, I don't understand that. How come Yoda's a baby? And I'm like, that's why, why do you think that's Yoda? He's like, cause he looks just like him. I'm like, that's racist, first of all. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's like Yoda was clearly a member of a species. You know, there's multiple <laughs> versions of this guy. He's like, all right, well, he's got all the same stuff Yoda can do. I'm like, that doesn't mean he's the same guy. Why did you wait for the end of the show to tell this story? I don't know. It just came to me. <laughs> well, if you want to let us know who Baby Yoda is, by the way, they don't want you calling him Baby Yoda for just that reason, and no one is listening to that. No. Um, let us know. Uh, you can find me at Not On My Book on Twitter and Instagram. That is the official Caffeinated Comics social networking feed. Also, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Comics. That's where we're posting trailers, and this week I went through it, and I was like, what news was there? Oh, there was just uh, Dean Cain was a piece of shit, and Joss Whedon might be a piece of shit. And yeah. we talked about uh, Spider-Man movies for 20 minutes, so hooray for us. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, but Stephen, how do we follow you? How do we find the show? Yeah, you can find the show on Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes, or wherever you find your podcasts. Those are the three big ones. Um, And you can find me on Instagram at the Brave Butter Pecan.